This is the Horse Radio Network. Every horse girl dreams of owning their own farm one day. But are they really prepared for all the work that's involved? This week, we're celebrating pain baby number two, discussing turnout politics, and how much does it really cost to show in Wellington anyway? From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy happy hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 64 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Happy Happy 2020. Oh, yeah. I forgot. This is our first one of the year. We've got exciting news to share, but this episode, it's just just me and Ellie because Jess is away being a new mom. Uh, Jess and Doug are celebrating the arrival of their beautiful baby girl, Abigail. So congrats to Jess and Doug. Yes, she's so cute. Have you seen the photos, Justine? Oh my gosh, she's adorable. Super cute. And I love the photos that they posted of Hudson, you know, meeting his new baby sister. So cute. Yeah, we'll see how he does with uh, divided attention. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so don't worry, Jess will be back in no time. But um, but we're happy that she's getting time to spend with her family right now. So this episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold. As you all know, if you're a longtime listener, we are huge fans of Eagle Gold on this podcast. And I want to talk to you more about the Eagle Gold Flip Half Pad. Um, it is by far the best half pad I've ever bought. And I've had many through my lifetime of horseback riding. I have the sapphire blue and white pad. And um, describing the colors is important because you get two colors in one pad. And it actually flips. So I can use the white side of the pad when I'm at horse shows. And then I have the blue side of the pad, which is a really beautiful, bright blue color um, for schooling and when I'm in the jumpers. Um, But my favorite thing about the flip half pad is the thickness. I know people sometimes have questions about this because when you're shopping for a half pad, you want something that's going to give your horse some support to protect his back, but you don't want it too thick, right? Where it's like too smushed under the saddle. And I find the flip half pad to be just the right amount of thickness. I can definitely see the difference in my horse, uh, especially after jumping in it. Um, It just really keeps him comfortable. That extra cushion from the Eagle Gold fabric Uh, really makes a difference in my rides. I literally do not ride without it. So, uh, Ellie, I know that you have a few other Eco Gold pads, but have you, are you in the market for a half pad? I should be. I I want to. It's on my list of things to buy, but um, right now I just use, I have one for my Western horses, and then I have just like the jumper pad um, for my hunt seat horses, uh, which I'm in love with, but I like, I want one so bad, but I like, can't warrant to Matt. I'm like, hey, I know I have all these cats, but can I also get this half pad? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wait it out. <laughs> Maybe for my birthday. Keep working on them. You'll get one. Yeah. So if so- you want to check out a half pad for yourself, you can view them by going to EcoGold, which is E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. So, Justine, I have a drink this week, and I hope that Jess is with us in spirit, enjoying... Oh, she's breastfeeding, so she still can't drink. Well, that's sucky. But anyway, (laughs) uh, (laughs) this is a watermelon and lime or mint mimosa. 
So you use a mortar and a pestle and muddle mint until fragrant. Add cubed watermelon, mint, and agave, which is optional, to the blender and blend until smooth. Using a wire mesh strainer, you drain the juice into a large bowl or pitcher and remove the pulp. And then with a champagne flute tilted at a 45 degree angle, not sure how important that is, but you got to, you know, be sure. Slowly (laughs) fill the glass halfway with champagne, top with watermelon mint juice and garnished with a lime wedge, mini watermelon slice and a mint leaf. Cute. Um, So I've actually I've had this drink. Uh, My husband and I went on a road trip after the holidays, like for New Year's. And we were at a brunch place up in like northern Florida, and they served this type of mimosa. It was um, it was specifically watermelon and lime. And oh my god, it changed my life, Ellie. It was so it good. I yeah. love anything mimosa. So it, yeah, I mean, and it's it's an easy thing to make at home too, you know. So I yeah, recommend I'm gonna it. have to try this one. Yeah, do it. This is you one won't I'll, regret I'll, it. I'll take the time to make this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to like muddle things so much you know like you could do it like a a lazy sloppy way and it'll still taste good there you go see that's the way i like to do things half halfway (laughs) (laughs) justine have you seen the video of kanye west falling off a horse well yes but i know it's complicated right there's like a conspiracy (laughs) theory behind this (laughs) okay so apparently it was believed on the internet that kanye west rode this horse into a church um but turns out like it wasn't kanye but the internet was like it's kanye west um so that was just really strange because the internet freaked out that (laughs) this was happening I don't, I didn't really see the, I mean, the the video is funny. I don't care who it is falling off. It's entertaining. Um, but it's just kind of odd that the internet cared so much about Kanye West falling off a horse. So we talked, we talked a long time ago. I don't think you were on the podcast then, but we had a news item about like someone riding a horse into a nightclub. And yes, I remember that episode. Yeah. And we were like horrified for this poor horse. So why don't you describe what happened in the video? Like when the horse finally dumped this person who was not Kanye, what what happened? Oh my gosh. So the horse is just like, um, where do I go? I felt so bad for him. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, why? I, I don't understand the intrigue in the first place of bringing a horse to church, but who knows? I I don't get it either. Like, just the amount of work required in the to in just in the get go. Like, why would you why would you do this? Oh my goodness! But it is a funny video. We'll link to it so you guys can watch it and laugh too. We don't think anyone actually got seriously hurt, horse or rider. No. But yeah. And but it wasn't Kanye, silly. so all West fans can can calm down. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, Ellie, I found an interesting story by Horse Sport, uh, which is a, a European equestrian publication. And they, the, I'll just read you the, the headline. It says, Fun in the Sun, the Costs of Showing in Wellington. And if you haven't oh, read boy. this, yeah, I would totally recommend it. Because, it, one, some of the, the costs will make your jaw drop. But, two, um, it's written in a perspective of, of like, Europeans looking at Wellington, like looking into Wellington and, and looking at the cost compared to what they're used to. 
um, in terms of fees and stuff to show it at, the, at a pretty high level. And you could just tell that even, even like, you know, professionals who show at the upper levels in, in Europe, like the price does not compare to what you're going to spend in Wellington. So, you know, I can't verify where they found these figures, but I would hope that they, you know, verified them with the Winter Equestrian Festival. But um, so the first figure that stands out to me is they're saying, uh, you know, WEF, it takes place for 12 weeks. So if you want a permanent stable on the showgrounds during this period, you're going to pay $3,750. And I think, I know, I'm thinking like, stable you know they use the term stable and i'm thinking that means just one stall right like that's just a european yeah i think so yeah so so okay so you're gonna i mean 12 weeks is a long time right right so that's not that different than like a normal stay at stay away show it's just like an extended period of time right so if you only want to come for a week the horse bart article says you'll pay 450 dollars per stable so <laughs> that's how much I used to pay a month at my, <laughs> right. my boarding facility. Yeah. So and then uh, they talk about it's very common for competitors at WEF to rent like uh, private stables, like actual like real farms out around WEF. And then people just hack out to the horse showgrounds and they estimate that the prices um, to rent, you know, and rent a, a farm or rent a stall in that area can range from a thousand to $2,000 per stable per month. Um, which I, I mean, having lived in South Florida that, you know, that estimate sounds correct to me. So, but so, so then when you get, the, go ahead. The Europeans surprised, like, is this normal for like what they pay at away shows or were they like, this is outrageous. I think it's, it's significantly more than what they pay. So, uh, that you know, the next part of the article gets into like how s- the f- the horse show fees, like the entry fees, vary. So, uh, like anyone who's going to do a CSI two star in Belgium is going to pay around four hundred euros, excluding any taxes. Um, but if you're going to show at like the two star level in Wellington, you're going to pay like two thousand two hundred and twenty six dollars. Um, wow! So that's you know that's a significant jump. <laughs> Um, and that's just a, they're saying that $2,000 figure is the deposit for the entry fee. And then, um, it is common in both Europe and America at WEF that top riders who are competing in these upper level classes have to take a VIT, a VIP table. So that's kind of part of your entry fee that you, you pay for a VIP table within the VIP tent. So, um, and they're saying that the VIP is divided into four rows with corresponding prizes. Um, you like if you want to pay for your last row in the VIP, you're going to pay forty thousand uh, dollars. Where like closer to the front row, you'll pay fifty thousand dollars, or and that could be, get even higher than that, um, which sounds a little that, crazy. That's like that's a pretty that's a pretty decent horse that could do a two star. <laughs> I know. So I don't know if that means like that's where sponsors and owners and all those people chip in to have that, have those seats generally, you know, I wish Jess was here because she could answer that question. But, um, and so then the story gets into some other interesting things like 
you know, differences in culture around the horse show from a European show to WEF. And when we had Alex Wells on the show, oh, probably more than a year ago now, but when we talked about WEF, she explained how the warm-up ring works and how it's so different than in Europe. Uh, so in Europe, like, first of all, all amateurs and pros, generally speaking, jump in the same class. There's no divisions for amateurs versus pros. Obviously, we know that's not the case at WEF. Um, but for the warm-up ring generally like if you're at WEF you get assigned a fence so there might be four fences in the warm-up arena and the ring steward will assign you a fence when you're when there's like I don't know maybe you've got five trips before you go the steward will assign you a fence and you get to jump you're the only person who gets to jump that fence um that's kind of nice though because when I went to hit Socrates it's not like that at all oh really <laughs> you know? And I don't it's know like it's, you have to have somebody stand by it and hold it, you know, so that you can actually jump it. It's insane. And I don't know if like the lower level classes, it's, you know what I mean? It might be different, but it, that might just be for like pro classes. So in Europe, they say um, th- there's usually only like two jumps in the warm up. It's, you know, it might be a vertical and an oxer. And all horses generally jump just on the left-hand side. They don't go back and forth. And then, um, But it's possible to start jumping your horse in the warm-up 20 horses in advance before you go. Um, but in America, you generally, you just, you jump your fence when the ring steward gives you that opportunity. Then you check in with the ring steward and they assign the fence to somebody else. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you should, if you guys are interested in learning more about this, Alex Wells explains it in an earlier episode. So again, if you guys love our podcast, if you love Heels Down Happy Hour, if you love participating in the discussions we have in our Facebook group, please consider donating to our Patreon. Um, Patreon is a uh, platform where you can support a variety of podcasts. Uh, donations can come in any form if you want to share monthly, if you want to do a one-time donation. Um, but we really appreciate any help you can give us. You help keep the show on the air. You help keep us going. And, um, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like, you can go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for Heels Down Happy Hour. I heard you have some cool coffee that I might enjoy. <laughs> I think you would very much enjoy it. So this was a very exciting week for Hillsdown Media. We launched a brand new product. So if you're already a fan of some of our other cool stuff, like our soap for dirty equestrians, I think you're really, really going to love this new product, which is called Barn Cat Hero Coffee. So we launched our own organic coffee and it's all themed around barn cat hero. Um, Because don't you think your barn cat is a hero? I mean, Ellie, I feel like I'm speaking to our exact audience when I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now my barn cat is not a hero because there's a mouse literally living in his bed. Um, But I mean, I guess he distracts them from the grain when he supplies them with uh, his cat food. Oh my god! <laughs> when you sent me that yeah, picture, I died. I just died at your poor cat. <laughs> I can't handle him. I really can't. And he's an old fart. He doesn't have front teeth, and he's just like, uh, he's pretty pitiful. But yes, well, he is a hero in his own right. <laughs> 
So Barncat Hero, it's um, it's a medium roast coffee, and it comes from the mountains of Peru. It's roasted in small batches, uh, and it it's developed in uh, small scale wet mills by indigenous farmers in that area. Um, so if you if you're a big fan of coffee, uh, I was lucky in that I was the the taste tester for Heels Down. So I tried a variety of coffees over the last couple of months, and this was hands down my favorite. And I'm so glad that this, this is the one we picked. Um, it's, I'm trying to describe the taste. So how big of a coffee drinker are you, Ellie? Like, do you drink, are you like a coffee snob? Do you like it black? Do you like it bitter? What do you like? I am a snob. Okay. So, uh, it's more like, do I like coffee with my sugar kind of person? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Like I make coffee like sometimes if I'm having like a real rough week, um, but I just have like one of those like little like four cup makers mm-hmm. and I like it generally pretty strong, but I'm definitely a cream and sugar kind of person. Okay. Gotcha. So I am, um, I am a black coffee person. I'm like a super like, like craft snob of coffee. Um, so I like to taste like the real, you know, elements within the coffee. And what I like about this one is uh, as a medium blend, it's not uh, not too bitter. It's not too strong. So if you're not into like a really, um, dark roast coffee or you won't get turned off by this, but it has, it's still like a really bold and rich flavor. Um, and from where it's, uh, where the coffee beans are grown in Peru, it, you could really taste like some nodes of sugar. Like it's a little bit of a sweeter coffee with fruits and berries, but, um, it's really great. I love it. It's a really tasty coffee. Um, I'm big on iced coffee because I live here in Florida where today it was 82 degrees and it tastes just as good when you, you know, do a cold brew with it as when you brew it hot. Um, and so if you are interested in checking out Barn Cat Hero for yourself, uh, we are selling it on our website. It's barncathero.com. And you can buy a bag uh, either as like ground already or you can buy beans that you can grind yourself. Um, and we're also offering a subscription service so you can never run out of coffee again, if you'd like, and you can choose your frequency on how often you want to receive it, maybe once a week, every two weeks or a month. And you can find all of that at barncathero.com. Now, Ellie, you got one of the really cute, um, coffee mugs that we've made too, right? For Barn yes, Cat Hero. I love it. The little icon is so cute. This little, you know, cat in a cape. Um, but it's also just like a really great, like double walled ceramic, you know, I, I don't want to say mug cause it's taller, you know, but it's got this like silicone top, which is just like perfect because I never have to worry about it leaking. Like it's awesome. I drink a lot of things from it, not just coffee, but, and I love, you know, bringing it around and it keeps my hands warm when it's not 82 degrees in <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, but I just, I really like the whole Barn Cat Hero brand because it's so inclusive, you know, like every cat has a barn cat, you know, not just English, not just Western. So I'm super excited about this. I'll have to try it. You're definitely going to have to try it. Yeah. And I'm curious to know what you think. Um, but yeah, I love the, I love the, it's almost like a coffee tumbler. Like it's in between the tall size and the mug size. And it's actually, it's like a very nice, like high-end type ceramic mug because I love it too. It's perfect. fits in my truck. Um, keeps everything hot all day. Um, and you can find, again, you can find all the details for yourself at barncathero.com. 
you wrote a story on Heels Down Mag this week titled The Backyard Barn Dilemma. And uh, when I was reading it, I just, you just made me think because I've always been that person like, hey, one day in my life, I'm going to, I don't know, I want to luck into some money and I'm going to convince my husband to leave the city and we're just going to start our own little farm, you know, where I could have my horse in my backyard and, and your chickens and my chickens and like <laughs> life will be perfect. Right. But I think you really hit the nail on the head that a lot of us, I feel like a lot of us dream of this. You know, when I think of the other women who board at the boarding facility that I'm at, like we all, you know, it sounds so nice in our head, right. To have a barn, but it is a crap ton of work. So I wondered if you could uh, talk a little bit more about that. Like, what made you decide to buy your farm and how did you prepare for it? Why don't we start there? Oh, that's a good question. So at the time, I was boarding at a place where I wasn't really happy. Um, I had just moved to New York after college um, and I just I didn't really like the care my horses were getting, but I also just didn't like the environment. Like the people were really nasty and that was kind of the best for the area that I was in. So I was kind of stuck and I was like, well, you know, and it's, it adds up, right? When you are paying for board for me, I had three horses at a time. Wow. And so, I mean, it was four fifty a month per horse, you know? So I was spending quite a lot on money on just board, you know, not including my supplements and my shoes and everything else. And we were paying my boyfriend and I, who also has a horse, right? So it was four horses total that we had. Wow. And we were paying for that and our mortgage or not our mortgage, our um, rent for our apartment. And I was like, don't you think this is kind of silly? Like that we're spending so much money for, for a house, for a, you know, apartment we don't own. And for, like, ho- like land we don't own, you know, to keep our ho- horses. So I started kind of looking on the internet. We had saved up quite a bit of money for um, emergencies, but it turned into a down payment fund. Um, <laughs> and I would found this on, like, horseproperties.net. Have you ever been on that website? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like Pinterest. Don't do it. It's... <laughs> it's so bad you know but I I mean of course you know I found I was like oh my god this is beautiful and then you look at the price and it's like three million dollars I'm like (laughs) I just threw up in my mouth um but so I was looking at something that was relatively close to where Matt was working and where I was working because uh the uh, minimum wage in Pennsylvania is really low um, I don't know what it is right now. I think it might be like nine or ten dollars, um, but it's much more in New York. So we like to work in the border um, or like over the border. But um, our property taxes are way low in Pennsylvania. So okay. we were like, OK, so if we're going to get a property, we'll get it in Pennsylvania. And so we had found one that was similar to the property we have now in New York, just to give you guys a ballpark of the property taxes. It was about five less acres. Um, it was a bigger barn. It had about 20 stalls. And they paid 12 grand a year in property tax. Okay. Wow. I pay four. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> For more acreage, you know? So it's, um, so I was like, all right, well, definitely not going to get one in New York, you know? And so we kind of just bit the bullet 
Um, and we went in like toward the house and my house is really weird. Um, it's like two houses put together. It's like a, like a double wide trailer. And then they built a custom home on the other side. The people that lived here before were very rich, but didn't know what they were doing with horses. So they built like this. So to give you a, you know, an example, they built this really nice barn for the stalls and stuff. Like it's beautiful. It's all like Amish made, but it's like, Everything has, like, the bars so the horses can all see each other. You know, it's got cupolas. It's, it's gorgeous, right? But I recently redid my arena because there was no base to my arena whatsoever. So it would just, like, get wet from groundwater. And, like, there were, like, enormous rocks that were, like, boulders. I mean, it was insane. Wow. Okay. So we were like, well, this is definitely going to be, like, a fixer-upper project. You know, but I said... Let's look at, like, the logistics of it. Matt's an accountant, right? So everything has to make sense in terms of money. So estimating, right, for four horses a month, um, I guessed that with supplements and board, we were spending about, what, $1,050 per month. Okay, okay. Then... I said, well, if we take out the four fifty, then we'd, you know, only be spending about three seventy. Okay. So I said, okay, well, that's like pretty good. Like we're saving some money there. But um, I've I since I had to prove to Matt that we could we could do it financially. I mean, and that was just like with mortgage and stuff too. But so I made like this big Excel spreadsheet. I was like, we're gonna do this, Matt. You know. And so for board, I basically pay $80 a month per horse. That's like Like your costs for feed and everything. Yeah. So that's like grain shavings and hay. Granted, I do my hay with my neighbor. um, So I pay $1.50 a bale, (laughs) (laughs) which is super cheap. When I was buying it, uh, I was spending about $7 a bale plus like $200 delivery. So that has made a huge difference. But I mean, you know, I, I still probably spend around $600 a horse, including, you know, shots, dentist, chiropractor, shaving or um, supplements, uh, wormer, stuff like that. So I'm definitely still burning a lot of money. Um, but I'm not giving it to somebody else. You know, I that's that's the main drive to that. Well, and so you, yeah, and you've dedicated yourself to, uh, you've built a training business too, right? Which I think Mm is um, unique, right? So like this is part of your income too, and that you're taking in other horses and building a business. But so how did, how did you prepare? I know you said that you had, you, you guys had saved some money from an emergency fund that you turned into a, um, a down payment, but was there like a point where you knew like, okay, we're going to lose so much money a month for the next six months before we recoup our expenses or did you just really feel like, Hey, I'm not putting money towards board anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to bounce back quicker. That's how I kind of justified it in my head. I was like, well, all the money I basically went towards board, I'll put towards, you know, the horses care here. Um, But it's still like, it definitely took me probably six months to kind of get to a point where I was financially like breaking even. You know, so luckily Matt and I both had 
jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, because if it was just be my myself, I would have like gone belly up within the first half year. So, um, it's definitely not a small financial commitment. I mean, I guess if you have, you know, established a business before coming in, that it would be better. Um, so my, I have one training horse per month or like that I allow in the, so it's six horses max. Cause I physically like, I'm like, I cannot clean more than six stalls a day and well, still have. A, and it's a one man operation. I mean like you and your boyfriend, right? Because you don't have hired people helping you do nope. all the work yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just me because right now it's tax season and busy season for Matt. So he comes home at like 10 PM. So it's just Aww. me and me and the dogs and, Aww. and, and the cat. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that horse brings in 700 a month. Um, so that basically pays for everyone's grain and shavings. Okay. So that's kind of the way that I justify it. So my, my training business doesn't bring me any money. It just pays for my horses to have something to sleep on and something to eat. <laughs> um, and then everything else that I spend in supplements and uh, vet bills and everything is still coming out of my pocket. But I mean, that's what we as horse owners, you know, I mean, that's no different than you, you know, even though you pay board, you still have to pay for those expenses. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do, like, how do you keep yourself motivated then? Cause you, you work another job, you contribute to heels down, you run a training business and on top of like training horses, you still, you know, you're cleaning stalls, you have to fix fences. It sounds like, do you do any of the hay work yourself too? Oh no, thank God. Matt does that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have the balance of like a baby learning how to walk. So if you put me on a hay wagon and told me to stack hay, I would probably kill myself. Um, so luckily Matt does all of the, um, you know, bailing and all that jazz. And then my job is just to help him stack it when he brings it to our hay barn. Um, so that's, I mean, and that's when it's hotter. So it's nice. I don't have to do that when it's freezing. But most of the time, I just kind of motivate myself by saying, well, if I don't do it, there's no one I can blame for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not kind of like when you board and you're like, oh, my horses could have gone out today. It didn't actually rain that hard. You know, and I can say, oh, barn manager, you should have put my horses out. It's it's me. So you kind of just got to bite the bullet and do it. I eat a lot of ice cream. That gets me through. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So what advice do you have for somebody like who's maybe more like me, like an amateur who enjoys taking care of her animals, who maybe sees the value in, oh, I could have a horse at home. Uh, do you think like, should you be realistic on you're not going to ride as much as you think you're going to ride because you're now busy doing other things? I think it depends. Like if I, if I had to redo it, like, here's my thing. I are, We already had four horses, so we couldn't have gone smaller, really. Mm -hmm. um, but if I were you and I just had, like, one horse, I would limit myself to two. You know, like, get Mikey a companion, like, goat or a companion mini or something. Because then you can have the time to do those things. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you just have one pasture, you know, in an outdoor arena, 
and you have two stalls to clean, your work is tremendously less than if you have, you know, four pastures and, you know, too many horses to deal with. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I would want something as big as what you're doing. I would have like maybe two horses, maybe three, you know, tops. Yeah. I mean, I thought that mine was small, but it's not small enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So what are some of like, did you have unanticipated costs, like surprises? Like you said, your arena, anything else? Oh, um, fencing. That was like, I mean, I knew we had to redo it, but I didn't realize just how, I guess, how big the pastures were. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was definitely a a cost that was not um, expected. But the biggest thing is, I think, equipment. Um, So we bought our equipment with the property um, for like an additional, you know, I think it was 25 grand. Um, So it was definitely, again like a big chunk of money, but it was cheap for like the tractor and the um, side-by-side that we got. But the gas to keep those things running, like that's, I mean, it's diesel, so it's not cheap, Mm -hmm. you know? So like every time I go to do the stalls and I spread the manure, you know, I mean, that's like 10 bucks, you know, and that's, every day you know so it's just like that i think i didn't take into consideration how much that would cost um like to drag your arena costs money you know to fix the fences we had to pay for the fencing but we also had to pay for you know the gas to get the tractor there to fix the posts like i think the biggest thing was just like all the little things that add up right right so do you set aside money for that? Is now your emergency fund, like, you know, emergency barn bills? Yeah. So we set aside, like, it's hard since ours is all the same property, right? So my water and my electric, um, we have a well, so the water is part of the electric bill, but it's hard to tell, like, you can't really separate, like, barn water from house water because it's all the same bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt and I are like, okay, well, we'll guess we'll just say like half of this is horse bill. And then we'll say, okay, so, you know, if we spent this much money, who's paying this, this month, and then who's going to pay for the equipment kind of thing. Um, so we kind of bounce it back and forth. Um, like, Oh, whoever bought groceries, you know, this week is not the one who's going to have to pay for gasoline. (laughs) Got it. Okay. Interesting. Get a village before you (laughs) get all the buy-in yeah yeah i mean my friend just like built her own i mean i think she's on two acres and she just built like a little barn for her two horses in her backyard she has one pasture she doesn't even have an arena you know and like that would be like perfect you know because you Mm -hmm. just have two stalls you know because if you clean them every day that's like nothing right and one pasture, it's not a lot, you know? Yeah. So No, that sounds manageable. So there you have it. You guys should definitely read Ellie's story on HeelsDownMag.com. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. So it's that time, Justine. Rose, Rose and Thorn. Thorn. First of 2020. Oh, boy. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Are right. you? No, you go first. Okay. So my rose is super exciting. 
Um, I actually am doing a Buck Branneman clinic this year. Oh, wow. Uh, It's not till October, and I'm driving all the way to Maine to do it. But um, it's, like, definitely, like, childhood dream. I've followed him forever, and I'm just super excited to do it. And my mom's actually going to do it with her horse, too. So I'm going to drive to Connecticut, stay the night, let the horse rest, and pick up her horse. And then we're going to go up to Maine uh, and do a Buck Brandeman clinic together. So it'll be super exciting. And I'm going to try not to cry like I did with Margie. Um, oh, my god, That's going to be my number one goal. But I probably will cry. There will be tears, I'm sure. But that is definitely my rose. I know it's not for, like, a million months. But I'm so excited. I'm, like, already, like planning my trip and I'm like all right we're gonna do it so I'm gonna take my um little horse Q who will be four this year so that's, that's my so road exciting yeah I'm really excited and then my thorn unfortunately is that people suck okay. um <laughs> I I have already I already posted about this in the heels down podcast lounge um but basically I was driving and I saw this box on the side of the road Uh, with holes drilled in it and someone had written like cupcake and simba on the side and i was like oh "Oh, man i was like i bet there are animals in there and it was negative one um outside and so i pulled over and i look inside this box and there are these two kittens and i'm like why does this happen to me (laughs) um so i long story short i have two kittens now um that Matt has named Luke and Leia. Um, and they are hopefully going to be better barn cats than my old man, Victor. Um, so my thorn is that, well, it's probably Matt's thorn too, is that I got two more cats. Uh, <laughs> and I told him, I said, it's not my fault. I didn't, I didn't go out and get them. They were there and they needed me. But, um, so they're super cute. So hopefully they can go out in the barn and hopefully they'll be able to actually catch mice, not befriend them. Um, so that's my thorn. Don't put animals on the side of the road. (laughs) I know. That's so sad. What about you, Justine? Um, hmm. So, uh, my rose is that I don't even know. Um. Things are good. I don't know. Life's good. I can't complain. So, um, probably my rose is that I'm getting, I'm like, I'm excited to horse show. This is obviously seasoned down here in Florida. Everything's like, um, really kicking into high gear, uh, with horse shows like Ocala's busy, Wellington's busy. Um, I'm just excited to horse show. I feel like I've got lots of opportunities. I'm going, actually, I know my specific rose is I'm doing, um, a first level dressage test for the first time ever competing in it this weekend. So uh, that's exciting. I know. Wish me luck. Um, It's definitely not close to like, not even close to being like perfect. So it's just a baseline. We're testing the waters moving up, but I'm really excited. And um, then my thorn is just that work is kicking my butt lately. Just been a really busy start of the year. It's like the start of the legislative session in Florida. So I'm Uh, just like, Running around, writing a million stories, been really busy, but it's it's good. I'm like the type of person who works better when I'm busy. You know what I mean? But I just yeah. feel like feel like I'm working a lot. So yeah. that's my thorn. 
Well, at least you get to unwind with, with Michael. I know. So Alex is like, you're going to work this crazy week and then we're going to a horse show. <laughs> He's like, this is the way you want to relax. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're getting up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, um, all right. We've got this great mailbag from Courtney in the Facebook group. And I wanted to see what you think about it, Ellie. So Courtney has a turnout politics question, and she wants to know what to do when a new horse uh, where you board is damaging your horse's blankets. When is it ever fair to ask another boarder to pay for your blanket repairs? And some background, she's been at her barn for almost two years. There's a new horse there that's um, being turned out in the pasture with her horse, and her horse just keeps coming in with um, torn-up blankets. Uh, And it's pretty clear, it sounds like, like this new horse is the culprit. Um, and on top of the blanket, you know, issues, the, uh, her horse also seems to have like new cuts and scrapes daily and it's starting to stress her out. So what would you do? Cause that is a, that is a tough situation, like just managing personalities. Right. Yeah. I mean, from like a barn management perspective, you know, I would say go to your barn manager or the barn owner and see if you can, get them separated um i mean sometimes that's not possible due to space and you know stuff like that um but that would be my first thing and if that's not the case i mean i don't know i mean yes they're animals but at the same time like i feel like if my if i know my horse is a mouthy jerk you know and he's ruined like six of your blankets i'm gonna buy you a blanket just because i feel bad that my horse is a jerk you know even though it's not I'm not breaking your blanket, but I'd still feel bad enough to pay for one, you know? Blankets are expensive. Yeah, that's no joke, you know? I did actually have a person who, and I'm not sure if this is a good idea for you, Courtney, but um, there was a person at the place I was boarding that put hot sauce on her blankets on her horse because the other horse was ripping them up so bad. Um, not sure if I'd recommend hot sauce, but I know there's like some sprays and stuff like for chewing and stuff that maybe would help if you sprayed some of that on your blankets. Oh yeah. They make that for dogs too. Yeah. You can like spray that stuff on it. That's not a bad idea. I don't know where you are if it's like real wet and snowy, but it might help a little bit, but I, I agree with you, Ellie. I like, if I were you, Courtney, I'd be I'd be ticked off. So, and I'd probably be telling everybody cause I was mad about it, like about yeah. buying new blankets. Um, but it, it's such a hard thing because if you're not there seeing it personally, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like a hard thing to bring up to somebody. So I, uh, especially like to target someone and go, your horse is doing this to my horse. So I do feel like Ellie, you bring up good advice, like go to your barn manager and just be like, Hey, because obviously that person is seeing your horse coming in with tattered blankets every day, too. So I would ask them, like, hey, can we do something about this? I'm starting to go broke at this point. I don't I don't feel like I would feel comfortable asking that person to pay for a new blanket, even though I would love for them to offer to do it. Um, but I would just try to, to remedy the situation so you could, like, cut your losses as soon as possible. Yeah. And if you do have to, like, or you want to ask them, definitely do it in person. Because I feel like if you ask them over any kind of message, it's going to come off really nasty. <laughs> Even if you totally. word it really well, just talk in person. Yep, that's a hard one. So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the show, 
You can send us an email by uh, by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or even better, you can join our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. Just search for that on Facebook. Um, submit a request and we'll add you to the group. And if you also want to hear more from us at Heels Down, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. That's our daily email newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And that's it. We want to say thanks to EcoGold, our sponsor this week, and Barncat Hero. And all right, Ellie, first episode of the year. Cheers. Cheers. And cheers to baby pain number two. Baby pain. Woohoo. <laughs>